The title of this morning's message is In the World But Not of the World. I thought it was very fitting. It's interesting how as we go through Scripture, uh, we can be very encouraged uh, because of the circumstances that we're faced with today uh, to come across a section in Scripture such as this because it's much needed encouragement and a reminder of those who are walking with Christ, those who are uh, claiming to be Christians, right? Uh, to not be wrapped up and distracted by the things that are happening in the world, but instead keep our eyes focused on Jesus Christ and serve Him. And so let's begin by reading in Acts chapter 18 and verse 18. In the world, but not of the world. So Luke writes, verse 18, After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Centria, he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave uh, of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. Verse 22. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Oh, Father, what we have before us here, Lord, we ask your blessing upon, Lord, as we consider, Lord, the, the life of Paul and his interaction with the church and how he conducted himself, Lord, is all a testament, Lord, of his trust in you, his faith in you, in his zeal and passion to serve you unceasingly. Lord, it's truly amazing. Lord, a, a man that, uh, Lord, I think in his own physical strength would have failed long ago. Oh, Lord, how many things do we fail because we trust in the flesh and not in the spirit? Oh, Lord, but when we say we, we have no more energy, we cannot go any further. Lord, that's when we begin to realize that you've been with us the whole way. That you desire to do something in and through us, Lord, that goes well beyond our own strength. And so I pray, Father, as you remind us that we are in the world but not of the world, that you would fill us with your strength that you would give us eyes that clearly see as you see. Help us to be motivated in the right way, to bless and honor you, giving you all the glory. We ask your blessing upon our time of study, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we learned about the Corinthian environment that the Apostle Paul was in. Uh, we learned that it was a worldly place with plenty to do and plenty of gods for people to get wrapped up in. Plenty of distractions, you know. That's, that's what we learned about the Apostle Paul and the environment that he was in there in the city of Corinth. With so much going on in our own world, it is refreshing when you take the time to spend with the Lord and conscientiously express your dedication and separation unto Him. How? 
through your devotional reading and time of prayer, through fellowship and service. As Christians, we can be confident that we are in the world, but not of the world. We belong to Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. It's interesting because that verse uh, is, are the very words that the Apostle Paul shared with the elders of Ephesus. And so even though he was war- warning them that, hey, listen, you, you need to pay attention to yourselves and to the flock that's been entrusted to you, uh, he also reminded them that this church, each and every one of you, has been purchased with the lifeblood of Jesus Christ on the cross. I was also thinking about Lot. You know, Lot, yes, he did pitch his tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah, but he is described in, in, uh, in, in uh, Second Peter as, as a righteous man. In fact, he's known as righteous Lot. He was a man whose soul was distressed. It was vexed is the way it was described in scripture. In other words, he was in the midst of where he was located physically and in the midst of all of the immorality around him, his soul was distressed. It was he was frustrated, he was upset, he was bothered, he was irritated. There was sorrow within his own heart. He was filled with anxiety and and he experienced a pain of soul. Why? Because He was distressed and vexed over the lawless deeds that he saw and heard day in and day out. The sensual conduct of the wicked, according to 2 Peter 2, verses 7 and 8. You ever feel that way? Maybe you feel that way now. You look around and, and you think, it is so dark. You know, what we can do is get to a point to where we're jaded. You know, to where we're very critical, we're very suspicious of everything. That we can't, you know, as, as I remember a certain friend would say, don't trust anyone. And, um, and you know, it, but that friend would say it in, in jest and in a way that was just kidding. But at the same time, there are people, right? There are people who that's the way they see things. The world can get you there. But that's because we have our eyes on the wrong thing. We have them fixed on the world and the things of the world and not on Christ and not the hope that we have in him. In John chapter 17, this is uh, known as the high priestly prayer of Jesus. And in John chapter 17 and verse 15, as Jesus was praying, he was seeking the father. He said this, He said, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. He's speaking about you and I. But that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. You see, Jesus knew that our souls would be distressed and vexed while in the world. But he was not asking the Father to remove us from the world. But instead, Jesus asked the Father to sanctify us in 
the truth in his word. And Jesus being our perfect example, he said, I for their sake consecrate myself. As our exa- oh, he is our perfect example. He separated himself from the world and unto the will of the Father perfectly. We often need reminders of our place and purpose in the Lord, our hope in Christ, and the exhortation to not love the world, but rather to love the Lord and abide in Him. In 1 John chapter 2, in verse 15, is this reminder. Again, this is what happens when you spend time in God's Word, in prayer, in fellowship, and in service. You get reminded of these things, which we need that. We need that often. Uh, perhaps some of you this week have read the, the headlines on the news. You, you've, you've watched plenty of YouTube videos, and you've watched plenty of whatever news source you go to. And you think, this is crazy. The, the world has gone mad, right? And your soul is vexed. It's distressed. We need reminders of, like this often. On a daily basis, we need to come together in fellowship and be reminded that this is not everything and that we are messengers of reconciliation. We have within us uh, just a, a, a beautiful, m- the most valued message that we could ever give to mankind, and that is Jesus saves. That's it. But this is a reminder. As John, the Apostle John writes in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, of how it is that we ought to love the Lord above anything and everything. He writes, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. A great reminder. And something that is reflected in the Apostle Paul as we read those verses there. This morning we'll see how Paul, as he continues to serve the Lord, takes time to consecrate himself. This is the encouragement for us today. We're in the world, but not of the world. And we need to take the time to conscientiously to deliberately just set ourselves apart from the world and unto the Lord. How? Sometimes by taking leave of the brothers to, again, dedicate and separate ourselves unto the Lord personally and individually. And this morning we learn of what God can do with people who know they're in the world. Acknowledge that, right? But also... No, beyond a shadow of a doubt that we don't belong to the world. Let's see what a man occupied by the word and zealous for the word and has a passion for blessing the Lord looks like as he knows he's in the world, but not of the world. Two things we're going to see here in these few verses that we're covering. Number one, retreat, but don't disengage. And number two, strengthened to strengthen. So that was what was reflected in the Apostle Paul. He retreated, but he was not defeated. He retreated, but he did not disengage. And the whole purpose for him going back and being strengthened in the Lord 
in consecrating himself was so that he could go back and strengthen the brethren. That was his whole purpose for doing that very thing. So again, in verse 18, it says, After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria. And with him Priscilla and Aquila at Centria, he had cut his hair for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogues, synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. Now, Paul, I, I, I want to kind of go back. So that way we, we know where we are right now. Because sometimes as we go through week in and week out, we kind of lose focus as to all the things that the Apostle Paul had experienced up to this point. And so... I want to put things in proper perspective to realize that as Paul does consecrate himself unto the Lord, that these are all the things that he had experienced up to this point. Now, we know that as Paul started his second missionary trip, what was a prelude to it? It was this certain little issue between him and Barnabas. Uh, He wanted... um, John Mark, well, Barnabas wanted John Mark to go with him on the second missionary trip, but because the Apostle Paul, uh, the way he saw John Mark leave them in the middle of the first missionary trip, there was no way that he was going to allow him to go on the second one. The way he saw it is he abandoned them. He left them hanging. He didn't follow through with his commitment. And so the Apostle Paul and Barnabas had a what's defined as and considered to be a sharp contention. They weren't happy with each other, and uh, they went their two separate ways. So we know that Paul and Silas, this is, this is the prelude to the second missionary trip. What a way to start a, a missionary trip, right? And so this is how it started, though. And so Paul and Silas, they went off on what we know to be Paul's second missionary trip. Well, they had some success as they traveled through Asia, but were at the same time, not allowed by the Holy Spirit to go deeper into Asia, especially toward the area of Ephesus. After receiving a vision, Paul and Silas went to Macedonia. So they went across, they sailed across, and they landed in Philippi there. We know that Lydia and her household came to faith. They were converted. And so there was much work being done there. That was where Silas and Paul were both um, falsely accused. They were beaten and they were jailed. And that's where we know that the Philippian jailer came to faith after this amazing thing happened. There was truly supernatural, um, truly something that the Lord did. Uh, The very foundation of the jail shook. All the prison doors flung open. All the shackles fell off of all the prisoners. And um, the Philippian jailer, thinking that everyone had had escaped, was ready to kill himself. The Apostle Paul called out to him. He says, no, 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 don't do that. We're all here and accounted for. And uh, the Philippian jailer came to faith, asking what he must do to be saved. Not only was the Philippian jailer saved, but also his whole household. And remember, they were baptized that same night. So amazing that the Apostle Paul and Silas were falsely accused, beaten, and jailed. And that very same night... The Lord, well, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. Uh, The plans of God can never be thwarted. Even though outwardly they seem like they're just, your life is just falling apart. What the enemy means for evil, God means for good. Just pay attention. 
And so we see that happen there in Philippi. Well, Paul and Silas, they, uh, they had been let out of jail the next day. Um, and they were basically run out of town, though, because they had been falsely accused, all of that. So they left town. They came to Thessalonica, where they were f- fine for a while. But then same thing happened there. They, they were just run out of town because of, the, because of the jealous Jews who were jealous about how it is that they were seeing many people being converted to Christianity. Many people were coming to faith and believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, then they came to Berea, and the same thing happened there. When the jealous Jews came there, they found them. They stirred up the crowds against them, and they had to leave Berea. Well, after that, all of this is in the northern region of Greece. At that point, they sent Paul away, and he traveled down the coast of Greece and came to the city of Athens. It was in Athens that he was waiting for Silas and Timothy. And while he was there, he just couldn't help himself. He, he had to engage the people in the, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he went into the synagogue. He went to the Agora. He just in, engaged the people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And while he was there, the philosophers of the city, uh, they were kind of curious. They were the curious Athenians. And so they asked Paul to come to Mars Hill and um, to really give testimony of what he was teaching. And so he experienced that. Some believed and others did not. From there, Paul traveled from Athens west to Corinth where he met Aquila and Priscilla. They were of the same trade. They were tent makers. In other words, they worked with leather. And it was there that Paul experienced both uh, success, you could say. Uh, People did come to faith. uh, But he also experienced the rejection of the gospel by the Jews. And then, of course, we see how it was that he says, okay, fine, you know, I'll I'll shake the dust off my my sandals and and saying, you're the ones that are rejecting this. I'm no longer going to go to you. I'm going to go to the Gentiles. In other words, he was saying he's going to focus on the Gentiles instead of the Jews from here on out. Even though he was falsely accused by the locals of breaking their law, Paul was assured by the Lord to, to stay, speak, and not be silent. And he stayed there a year and a half, even after what took place took place, and he was rejected by the Jews. So he stayed there. So after all this, Paul takes leave from the the brethren in Corinth and sets sail to Syria. Now, at this point, he's making his way, you could say, back home. And Aquila and Priscilla, at this point, are joining him. They're on their way back with him. But before Paul and company set sail... Paul did something. He uh, made a vow in what's known to be the Nazarite vow. And he cut his hair. So he was now under the Nazarite vow. But what we need to understand is that he did this in Centria, which if you, if you look at Greece, southern Greece, you have Athens, and you go west and you hit Corinth, and you go west a little more to the port city of Centria. And so that's where we are geographically on the map. And it's from there, it's at that place in Centuria that he cut his hair. This, again, is all part of the Nazarite vow. And then he would make his way sailing back toward and actually come to Ephesus. Now, it's interesting that Paul does not abandon a Jewish ritual. 
but he doesn't also follow it in the traditional sense. You see, it, it mattered to the religious leaders, uh, the, the Jewish people, where it was that you made the vow. Uh, it was thought of in those days that it really wasn't of any uh, use. It wasn't uh, genuine. It wasn't something that was accepted if you made the Nazarite vow outside, outside of Judea. So you have to go back to Israel. And it has to, you have to be geographically located, present in the land of Israel in order for this Nazarite vow uh, to be accepted and for it to be something uh, worth anything. But the Apostle Paul, he did observe this, and at the same time, he was far from Israel. This is wonderful because now he's not just, it's not just an outward kind of a exercise of religion. To the Apostle Paul, it meant something more, much more. It went much deeper. He understood exactly what he was doing. Because you see, the purpose of the Nazarite vow was to express a consecration to God. Promising to abstain from all grape products. Grape means we're talking about uh, uh, wine and in any strong drink. So nothing, zero, none of that. He expressed it by the cutting off of his hair. And then that would serve as part of the, uh, the offering to the Lord. And he also, through this vow, promised not to come near Anybody who had died. So Paul initiated this vow while he was still in Macedonia and before he set sail. This is the whole. What we're looking at here is is Paul. Purposefully. Deliberately. Making it a point to consecrate himself unto the Lord. You think the apostle Paul. Why in the world him serving the Lord the way he did. He had sacrificed. He had just gone through pain and anguish. He had been beaten, jailed, and, but he's seen so much. Why is it that the Apostle Paul, of all people, would, would need to go through the motions, right, of like consecrating himself unto the Lord? Good question. Think about for you and I, what we started out with and the things that we're exposed to in the world. If Paul needed to do it, why wouldn't we need to do it? On a regular basis. Well. It was while Paul was under this vow of consecration. That he landed in Ephesus. And it was in this place. Uh, we know that Priscilla and Aquila. Were left by the Apostle Paul there in Ephesus. Now this is. We're going back across from Greece. And into Turkey. Present day Turkey. That's where Ephesus is. And it was there that he left Priscilla in Aquila. Uh, but he himself, as we read here, he went on into the synagogue. So I thought he had just said that he wasn't going to go share the gospel with the Jews. And here he is in Ephesus and he finds himself in a synagogue again. Again, for the Apostle Paul, he just, he loved his people. He loved the Jewish people. And there was no way. I mean, he, his heart was to go, continue to go back to them and present the gospel to them. So he went to the synagogue, and he reasoned with them. Day in and day out, he would go, and he would reason with them. He would reason with them. And we know from what we see here that people started coming to faith. In fact, 
they wanted to hear more of what Paul had to say. Just stay, like teach, like explain to us, reason with us some more. Tell, tell us about Jesus of Nazareth. But even though they desired for him to stay, he said, um, I can't, I got to go on. I will return if the Lord wills. You know, one of the things that we ought to uh, take note of here is that um, it's a couple times that we see it defined as his departure from the people in Corinth as it is in the people in Ephesus, that, that the Apostle Paul was just taking leave of them. You know, um, those of you who have been in the military uh, understand that term. Um, you, your, your duty belongs here to this unit or to this whatever it is that you are attached to and assigned to. Uh, those, that's your area of responsibility. So when you take leave, you ask for whatever it is, 15-day uh, leave, 30-day leave. If it's, if it's extended, you have that in the books. Maybe you can go home for 30 days. But after you're done taking that leave, you report back for duty. For the Apostle Paul, that's what he, what he had in his mind and in his heart. That, hey, I'm just taking leave from you. If the Lord wills, I will be back. And we will resume where we left off. But until then, you need to continue occupying. You need to continue to do whatever it is that the Lord has for you here. So that's what, what he had in his mind. And this is said a couple times. Again, it's described as his departure from, from Corinth in that way. He took leave. And then from Ephesus, he took leave. Now, the important point I want to draw to you, draw your attention to is that Paul was deliberate about his retreat unto the Lord. He never disengaged from fellowship and service. I'm going to repeat that. He never disengaged from fellowship and service. That's worth repeating again. He never disengaged from fellowship and service until we can all say it together. I'm going to say it. And, and <laughs> I say that because I've seen too many people disengage from fellowship and service. Say, I just need to kind of regroup in the Lord and need to go off and do my own thing. I don't know what that means. I don't think the Apostle Paul knew what that meant. Just, just who he was. Never disengaged from fellowship and service. When you get overwhelmed with life, retreat, but don't disengage. Because that never helps. In fact, it only makes things worse. When you draw your hand back, I'm going to take a break. So I'm not going to serve anymore. You know what I see happen is, as people say, I, I'm going to take a break and I'm not going to serve. It goes from that to their actual attendance in church being more and more sporadic. 
because they're taking a break from Sunday. This, this is like a duty to them. You know, Sunday, day in and day, oh, wow, you know, I've gone to, I've been going to church now for six months straight and every Sunday, you know, and it's like that, it's getting tiring, you know, and so I'm going to take a break from that and just, maybe we can go a couple times a month and, you know, and then it becomes one time a month and then one, and then you see them every now and then. You think, man, bro, that was a long break. Come back, come on, come on back. And then it just gets hard. It gets hard. Why? Because you're so used to having your eyes focused on self and not continuing, continuing to practice the fellowship of the saints, not continuing to serve the Lord. You know, we don't do this in our own strength. If I did this in my own strength, if, if people who are faithful and loyal to the Lord and just continue to serve, if, y'all, if we all did it in, in our own strength, oh man, we'd be done a long time ago, wouldn't we? I would have been done a long time ago, right? But we don't do it in his strength. And it's pretty cool when you see people consistent, consistent all the way through. And we, and we do it because we love the Lord, not because it's duty, because we want to see him glorified and we want to continue to grow. So retreat, don't disengage. Again, that never helps. It only isolates you. And it's when the enemy isolates you. Because remember, put this please in your head and in your heart. Be a people who is discerning, okay? Discern according to the truth of God's word. The enemy wants you to isolate And when he isolates you, he can pick you off easily. You ever watch uh, like National Geographic or, you know, some kind of Animal Kingdom type show? And and you see the gazelles, they're so beautiful, they're out there. And then you see one prancing all by himself off the side. and, And all of a sudden, you know, out of like the side, you see this lion coming, you know, or tiger or cheetah, whatever, and just pounces on the one it's like man it just went from a beautiful nice background music to just like the record needle just going across right and it's just it seems horrible right it's like what are you watching (laughs) he just got devoured it's like well that's what happens out there you know the enemy does that very same thing he wants you so if someone wants to separate you from the flock and encourages that you to you, encourages you in doing that? Oh, red flag, please. Warning, warning, warning. Red lights should go off. Red flags should be waving in the air. Warning, this is, not, this is not right. But when someone encourages you to be more part of the fellowship, more part of just serving and being one with the body, that is the right thing to do. Keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. Walk with them, serve with, serve, serve with them, because we are co-laborers with Christ. That is according to God's word. Be discerning. Be discerning. Okay? Be confident in that. Because in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need to do more of this. 
more coming together. So retreat, don't disengage. Secondly, we see here how Paul was strengthened to strengthen. Verse 22, when he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. So this is a lot to cover in just, what, uh, two verses. Uh, the Apostle Paul, okay, so the writer of, the, of the, the book of Acts is Luke. He's the physician. So there's a sense to where the writer, ultimately the Lord, wanted to bring across to us that this quickly went from one thing to another. The focus was not how it was that the apostle went you know, to Caesarea, then he went to Jerusalem, then he went to Antioch, and then he went back out on his third missionary journey. This is what we see here, all taking place in two verses. But he wanted a, for us to understand that the, the whole uh, focus of it is that those last four words, strengthening all the disciples. That's what his whole purpose was this whole time. So we don't know how much time Paul spent in Caesarea, but from there he went to Jerusalem. We know he went to Jerusalem to fulfill his Nazarite vow in the temple. From there, Paul went to Antioch. This was his home church. I'm sure they, they all welcomed him. They were all so glad that Paul is finally back home. He filled them in on everything that had taken place from the time he left to the time he got back. And I'm sure they were very encouraged by the news of everything that had, that had happened. And, of course, they would be covering him in prayer as he went off on his third missionary journey. There is a sense here that Paul did not take much time, quote-unquote, regrouping. He was strengthened, and then he moved back into the missionary field to serve the Lord in the manner he was called to serve. Again, for us... It's like, hey, listen, things happen. Life happens. Um, last Sunday, after we left here, uh, we we went home and we had um, something going on at my uh, father and mother-in-law's. And so all the family was going to come together. Well, on the way there, uh, we were we were traveling. We just live here in High Grove. So we were, went down straight down center and made a right on Riverside Avenue we didn't travel, but maybe a quarter of a mile. As soon as we were getting onto the bridge uh, that goes over the Santa Ana River, um, this lady decides to do a U-turn in front of me. And you know the speeds there are, you know, the, I think the speed limit's uh, 50, I think at least there, right? And people go, you know, faster than that. But we were going, and I had nowhere to go. There was a car in, my, in the right lane, so I, had, I couldn't just, like, go over to the right. And it was, it was too late. So um, we collided. Uh, we did a 180. And I ended up, we were going in reverse, going north on Riverside Avenue. And then I got hit again by the same vehicle and pushed into the rail. So, um, you know, the, the river's down below. <laughs> I may, we may have been home at this, at this point. Um, home, home home, right? Because that's a long ways down. And, uh, and so the, the truck was beat up pretty good. Thank God we were in the truck, right? 
Um, the two people in the other vehicle, they were fine, so no one was seriously hurt. Every, everybody was fine. Um, life happens. Life happens. To be honest with you, I was bummed that, you know, I, I take care of the truck. I take care of hopefully what the Lord entrusts me with. And, and so I was kind of bummed thinking, man, they could total my truck. It's like, no, I hope not, right? It's all, it's all on the outside. Mechanically, it's fine. But life happens. Uh, we've gone through floods in the home. And uh, we were put up in a hotel. Not here recently, but this was when we first started the church a year into it. And, uh, and we were in a hotel. We were living in a hotel for was it four months, something like that. Four months. It's like, that's a long time. Uh, the boys loved it because there was an indoor pool. And, you know, um, they, they, they were all, they, they all knew them. Uh, downstairs, and uh, we had breakfast every morning, so they went and got uh, potatoes and some eggs and all that. But for us, it was like, okay, it's getting old, you know, after a, a week or so. Life happens. We, we've had things happen with family. We've Just life happens. Retreat, but do not disengage. Because as we see Paul here, you didn't take much time regrouping. I, I can tell you that uh, we've regrouped time and time again. Those of you that have been around for this whole time, we've seen you regroup. And just continue to serve. Continue to be in fellowship. Continue to be in God's word. Continue to be in prayer. Continue to trust in the Lord. Just not letting go of that. Because what we see here before us is that the Apostle Paul did not take much time regrouping. And he never left the fellowship. He never stopped serving. He was strengthened, and then he moved back into the missionary field to serve the Lord in the manner in which he was called to serve. We see how it was that Paul was not interested in just seeing people converted. In other words, oh, wow, you know, I have this number of people that I I have personally led to the Lord. Well, first of all, you've never led anyone to the Lord, right? The, 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 The Lord does the leading, You've simply been a vessel that, that's just spoken whatever it is that the Lord gives you. The Holy Spirit leads them. What's wrong with us in the way we talk, right? How many people have you led to the Lord? Zero. Zero. Right? It, it's anything that, that could be glorified and it's good. It's all the Lord's work. That's it, period. But the people who notch up like, yeah, you know, like I, 100 people, 200 people. Well, Paul wasn't interested in that. He was interested in conversions, but he was more interested in the fruit of that conversion. In other words, discipling the people so that they could prove themselves that in their own lives that they certainly belong to the Lord. There's fruit that came from that. Because he went back, he was strengthened so that he could strengthen. He wanted to see see them mature in their faith. So Paul started going back through all the towns he had previously visited Tarsus, Derby, Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, and Pisidia. And he did it all for the express purpose of strengthening all of the disciples. That's what he wanted to do. So he was back at it. In Matthew chapter 28, uh, we, are, we see the great commission of Jesus, right? And in verse 19 of chapter 28, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Here's the next verse, though. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then in 2 Peter, 
chapter 3, verses 14 through 18, the Apostle Peter writes, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found in him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. This was coming from a man who knew restoration, forgiveness, God's grace, his mercy, the compassion of Jesus Christ. He was a man who was believed to have been crucified upside down because he was not worthy of being crucified like his Lord. Here was a man that was ordained by God to be an apostle and to be a one that was used by the Lord to encourage you and I to continue in the faith, to not draw back, to be disengaged, no, but rather to be engaged, always keeping our eyes on the Lord and growing in our maturity in Christ. I ask you this, if Paul were to come visit Refuge Bible Fellowship, can you imagine the Apostle Paul or Peter or James or John or any of them, if they were to come to Refuge Bible Fellowship, how would they find you? You'd ask that just personally. What condition spiritually would you be found in? How long have you been walking with the Lord? And then ask yourself, what, what would I have to say to him? Uh, would you talk about how difficult you've had it? Well, I know what Peter would say. You know, because we know it says it right here. Resist him, that is the devil, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Well, that's kind of insensitive, Peter. No, that's just the truth. (laughs) Would you be found just complaining about your life, the things that you're experiencing? Or or would you be encouraged by, uh, by Peter coming and saying, yeah, you know, brother, sister, I understand what you're going through. I myself have gone through so much and am going through so much. And yet resist him. Resist the devil. Because the things that you're experiencing, are not these things are not unique. Your brothers and sisters throughout the world are experiencing the same things. Okay. Would you explain the things that overwhelm you, that you're overwhelmed with right now? That's fine. The Lord is with you and he'll bring you through whatever it is that you're facing right now. Would you talk more about the world? Than the word. In Galatians chapter 6, uh, I mean, verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 6, it says, I am astonished. This was a, a word that the Apostle Paul had for the Galatians. So, chapter 1, verse 6, it says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not there, that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. 
But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Those are strong words. So if you're hearing anything different than what we were going through and what we know to be the gospel of Jesus Christ, if they're twisting God's words, then these are strong words. The Apostle Paul is saying, let him be accursed. But as for the church, he was saying, I I am disappointed. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. May that not be us. May, May we not turn to a different gospel because it's no gospel at all. Because Paul also experienced trials, but the trials did not stop him from serving the Lord and serving his people. He retreated, but he never disengaged. He was strengthened in order to strengthen the church, the brethren. That's what he was all about. I pray that's what we would be all about. In closing, I want to share a few verses with you. Just kind of put an exclamation point on the thought of being in the world, but not of the world about retreating and not disengaging and being strengthened personally in order to strengthen, come back and strengthen the brethren. Because again, I remind you what the, what our Lord Jesus prayed in John 17, verse 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just, uh, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in the truth. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And finally, once more, just the reminder of how amazing Jesus is for you and I. Do you feel overwhelmed? Do you feel anxious? Do you feel distracted? Well, listen to what Jesus says. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All glory to you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we know, oh, we know that we at times are reminded how frail, how weak we are. And Lord, we need to be in that place of desperation, Lord, desperately clinging clinging to you and trusting in you, knowing that, Lord, in and of ourselves lies nothing good that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be led by the truth of your word and a discernment that comes from you because we are wise to the truth of your word. 
and know how to walk in it. Lord, not relying on the wisdom of the world or the philosophy of the world, but rather relying squarely, Lord, in your wisdom. Relying, Lord, on you to get us through that hope to remind us that there awaits for us glory. And so I pray, Father, for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that you would strengthen us. Lord, that you would fill each and every one of us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that your mercies would be new this morning. And Lord, that you would, Lord, not only save us, Lord, through our belief, our faith in you, but Lord, you would also guide us and protect us, provide for us. I pray, Lord, that we would refix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith, and walk and walk step.